This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. يقول الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ومن الناس من يعبد الله على حرف فإن أصابه خير لطمأن به وإن أصابته فتنة انقلب على وجهه خسر الدنيا والآخرة ذلك هو الخسران المبين اللهم لا تجعلنا منهم يدعو من دون الله ما لا يضره ولا ما لا ينفعه ذلك هو الضلال البعيد يدعو لمن ضره أقرب من نفعه لبئس المولى ولبئس العشير إن الله يدخل الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار إن الله يفعل ما يريد اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين ثم أما بعد Today's khutbah revolves fundamentally around one ayah of Surah Al-Hajj. Uh, this ayah is something I've been thinking about for some time now. I haven't gotten a chance to give a khutbah about it or, or share any thoughts on it uh, for some time. And the reason I've been thinking about this ayah is because of the several conversations I've had, either on social media or meeting with people around the world in person, people coming up with their challenges and questions. And I wanted to first paint a picture with you of the kinds of conversations that I'm talking about and then share with you why I feel this ayah is necessary for all of us to keep in mind. You know, we're living in a time that is uh, riddled with a lot of confusion. There are lots of questions that we have of all kinds. For instance, people are going through very difficult trials in their personal life. Uh, and you know, when a believer is well acquainted with their deen, and they understand the Book of Allah, and they understand the comfort, maw'idah, the, the heartfelt counsel, and the, the healing that the Book of Allah offers, that the Sunnah of His Messenger offers وسلم, then they can find comfort in the Deen of Allah. But we're living in a strange time. We call it the information age, but for most of us, we don't really know much about our own religion. We don't really know how our book and our, our faith and our scripture is supposed to give us healing, how it's supposed to help us through difficult times. And so when that happens, we are prey very easily to shaitan. And when people go through hard times, then shaitan brings all kinds of thoughts to them. You know, somebody's sick and they're in the hospital and they're getting all kinds of waswasa about faith itself, questioning Allah Himself, questioning Qadr itself, you know. People lose a job, people have a hard time in a marriage, you know, there, there are difficulties in studies, whatever you may be going through, or maybe health related, and it's very easy to start questioning whether or not Allah even cares, why would He do this to me, what did I do to deserve these problems, I made so much dua, Allah didn't even answer me, you know, why He doesn't even care. You know, I, I prayed all of Ramadan, I even went to do Umrah, and I still asked Allah to heal my child or to get rid of this problem, and I still have that problem. And that's in your personal life, but that if, and that's hard enough. But on top of that, there are crises in the world. There are many of you who have family, for instance, in Syria, and places like Syria all over the world that are on fire, where families aren't safe, children aren't safe, where all kinds of human disaster is happening, and people are being killed, it's almost like fulfilling the word of Rasulullah where the killer will not know why he's killing, and the killed will not know why, why they're being killed. And so in that kind of crisis, some people start not only questioning, why is this happening in my personal life, they start questioning, why is all this crazy stuff happening in the world? And how am I supposed, where is Allah in all of this? Can't He just fix these problems? And we ha- it's not like we're not making dua. You know, Qulutun Nazila every night in so many masajid around the world. Allahu Mansurul Islama wal Muslimin. You know, Aizal Islama wal Muslimin. Aid the Muslims, aid Islam. 
give strength to the Muslims, give strength to Islam. Ya Allah, aid us against the enemies of the deen, but it seems like the enemies are just getting better and better at, at, at spilling more and more blood. So at that point, somebody gets really frustrated with their religion. And they start thinking, there's no point. Why, why do I even make dua? What's the point of it? Nothing's gonna change. And this is actually a very common problem. As a result of this problem, a few things happen. For a number of people, they stop praying altogether. Forget dua, they even stop making salah. They don't care about prayer anymore. And the thing about salah is that it's a, what Allah describes is it's a protection. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ The salah itself, it in fact prevents you from all kinds of shameless, indecent behavior, and it prevents you from all kinds of evil. So when Allah says that, and somebody abandons salah, now they're actually pray directly to shaitan. All kinds of bad things are gonna be done, and one won't even realize why they're doing it. But then there are those who haven't gone that far. They're actually still holding on to the deen. They're still holding on to it, but they're holding on to it barely. They're barely, barely holding on. You're barely making it to Jum'ah prayer. It's, even that's a struggle for you. And for, for some people, even, you know, it, it gets so bad that they can't even spend too much time inside of a masjid. Or even if they do, they start getting uncomfortable. They just have to leave quickly. That happens. And so about those people, and I've met many, many such people, and I don't think they're evil people. I don't think they're evil people. I do think, however, that certain fundamentals were not correct. Certain ideas, certain concepts, certain feelings are misplaced. And because of those misplaced feelings, one goes down a very dangerous path, all the way down to guidance, misguidance. In the one hand, in Surah Al-Hajj, in the beginning, Allah talks about people who, who have an agenda to misguide other people. Evil people who want nothing better than to just argue against Allah without any knowledge. مَن يُجَادِلُ اللَّهَ فِي اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ وَلَا هُدًا وَلَا كِتَابٍ مُنِيرٍ Somebody who argues about God and debates and hates on religion, hates on Allah, hates on the Prophet ﷺ, and has no knowledge why they're arguing, nor do they have any guidance, nor is it in light of any enlightened thinking, it's just complaints for the sake of complaining. And those kinds of people, it's not just enough that they're messed up. They can't sit still and they mess until they mess somebody else up. They have to actually misguide somebody else. That's one group of people. But that's not the group of people I want to talk about today. It's the one after that group. The ones that are on the edge. Literally on the edge. That's how the Qur'an describes them. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ حَرْفٍ I would translate that as among people. There's somebody who worships Allah at the very edge. Harf is actually the edge of a cliff also. They're worshiping Allah, they, they, they worship Allah but they're at the edge of a cliff. What does that mean? That means sometimes here, sometimes there. They're almost ready to fall off the cliff. They're not quite stable in their faith. They're not quite stable in their worship. They're not settled. They have unanswered questions, unresolved emotions. And so, how does that manifest itself? Allah describes Himself, فَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ خَيْرٌ إِطْمَأَنَّا بِهِ If some good comes to them, if something good happens in life, they're doing better now. Okay, okay, Allah actually listened to this dua, so I, I can pray now. I feel better. وَإِنْ أَصَابَتْهُ فِتْنَةٌ And if some fitna hits them, fitna means some kind of trial or something that tests their faith. Fitna literally means a test. So Allah did not put the opposite of khayr as shar. Right? The in'ikas would have been shar. So you would have expected Allah to say, فَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ خَيْرٌ إِطْمَأَنَّ بِهِ وَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ شَرٌ Nope. وَإِنْ أَصَابَتْهُ فِتْنَةٌ 
Why is that word important? Because Allah is letting us know that when something bad happens to you, that is just Allah putting your faith to the test. Allah just wants to see whether you're willing to believe in, a, in, an, in an Allah that still loves, that still cares, that is still Ar-Rahman, that is still Ar-Rahim, that is still Ar-Raziq, He's still the provider, He's still the protector, He's still the caretaker, even though you can't see it. Even though in front of you, you see like you've got hippet problems. And shaitan wants you to question, where is Allah? He wants you to ask that question. So Allah wants to put you in that circumstance sometimes to see how strong your faith is. By the way, this deen begins with الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ They believe in an Allah who they cannot see. And by that doesn't just mean we don't see Allah. We don't see Allah's plan either. Allah doesn't lay out for you, here's how He's gonna have you go about your day. And here's what, you know, you're going through a difficulty now, but there's another ease coming in a few weeks or a few years or a few hours. We don't know. Is things are gonna get better in the next minute? Or things are gonna take 10 years? We, we just don't know. Allah will not tell you that. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُطْلِعَكُمْ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ Allah is not going to be one to inform you of the plans of the unseen. You, you don't, he doesn't owe you that. All He's asking you to do is trust Him. Trust Him that He loves you more than you could possibly even love yourself. That He gets nothing out of punishing you or torturing you. You know, Allah says, مَا يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ بِعَذَابِكُمْ What's Allah gonna get out of punishing you? Why do you think Allah's out to get you? Allah literally asked that question Himself. So when you and I go through trials, that's actually to check and see when we, because it's easy to believe in Allah when things are good. It just, it's easier. But it's harder to believe, especially some of those names of Allah. The names of Allah that we hold on to in difficult times. It's harder to hold on to them. When, when we get hit, you know, when we believe Allah is the healer, that Allah owns all of Shifa, and His book is Shifa, and then you're sitting in the hospital with a terminal mother, or a terminal father, that's harder to believe. It becomes difficult on someone. Now, how, do, how can, I wanted to dedicate this khubah to two things. One, just fixing a little bit, calibrating our thinking about dua itself. The vast majority of the duas in the Qur'an, and the vast majorities of the dua in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, you can find one common thing among them. The common thing among them is, they're in, a way, in some way or the other, you're asking Allah to give you better ability. For Allah to give you strength. For Allah to give you guidance. For Allah to give you forgiveness. For Allah to give you gratitude. أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَتَكَ الَّتِي أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيَّ Give me the ability, empower me so I can become grateful. I'm going to give you an analogy to help you understand what I'm trying to get at. I haven't made my point yet. Somebody was out at sea, and their ship hit a rock, and the ship sank. And this guy is holding on to a piece of wood. And he's out in sea. And he's making dua to Allah. Now at that point, you can make two duas. Ya Allah! transport me from here to an island immediately. Make the rain stop, make the storm stop. Or he could say, Ya Allah, give me the strength to overcome this difficulty. Now when he makes dua, Ya Allah, send me a helicopter right away, pick me up into the sky and get me to an island. And he makes dua over and over, helicopter, helicopter, helicopter. And no helicopter came. And then he says, Allah didn't even send a helicopter. I made so much dua for, for one. That's not fair. I'm, forget it, I'm not making dua anymore. 
In other words, he's making dua, or for example, he wants the the, 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 the ocean to turn into land. Ya Allah, just, you have the power to change anything into anything. You made all of this. So you could just convert this ocean into a land right now. So, I mean, you turned Ibrahim salam's fire and you made it cool, so you could do that for me. And it doesn't turn, it's still the ocean. And you're still drowning slowly, you know? The point I'm trying to make is oftentimes we think the purpose of dua is to change the reality around us. We focus on changing the reality around us. But if you study the duas in the Quran, and the majority of the duas in the sunnah carefully, you'll notice that the change actually you're asking for is a change in yourself. Ya Allah, I'm in a difficult test, give me the ability to change the test. It's just I'll give you a simpler example. Some student is about to go take an exam. You can make two kinds of du'as. You can make the du'a, Ya Allah, give me the ability to understand the subject matter, let me concentrate, you know. Ya Allah, uh, give me the ability to not be nervous while I'm taking the test. Let me not get lazy. You du'as about yourself. Or Ya Allah, make this, I know it's a medical school exam, but yeah, convert it, convert it into a second grade math exam for me, so I don't have to have this problem. Either you want to change reality, or you want to empower yourself. For most, for people that are weak in their faith, they don't think about empowering or changing themselves. They just want to change what? Reality around them. And they keep asking Allah to change the reality around them, and does it change? No. And when it doesn't change, they blame Allah. They turn to Allah and say, how come you didn't change the world around me? How come you didn't turn everything you know, on a silver platter for me? You want reality to submit to you, you truly have to learn first to submit to Allah. <laughs> and you don't come to Allah when you need something. You don't just come to Allah when there's a problem. You come to Allah all the time. You come, you, you're submissive before Allah constantly. Until that attitude is developed. And by the way, there will be a time when reality will submit around us. And that time is actually when we meet with Allah. لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُونَ They're going to have whatever they want. The problem is we want whatever we want right now. <laughs> Allah says, I'll give you that. Right now, you're going to experience some times of good, and other times of test. And the only reason He gives you a test, the only reason He gives you a test, is because He wants you to pass, so you can qualify for that Jannah. He wants you to go through these trials, because they will bring you closer to Him. And that brings me to my next point, before I finish this ayah. The purpose of difficulty. You know, in this life, we want certain things. You want to have, you, a young man wants to get married or a woman wants to get married. You want to have a good job, you want to have a house, you want your family to be okay, you want to provide for your children, you want to give them a good education, you want to get your kids married off. There are things we have, priorities in our life. There's things that are on your mind right now, you've been thinking about it for the last month, the last year, the last two years. There's stuff that you want to accomplish in your life. Allah teaches us in His book that there's one thing, if you can get it in this life, it's more valuable than everything else. Everything else will be okay if you have this one thing. And that one thing is a closeness to Allah. Is being good with Allah. And truly developing a connection and a bond with Him. The problem with people is when life is good and only good, for a lot of people they get distracted. You go from a video game, to a movie, to checking social media status, to hanging out with friends, to a restaurant, to sleep, Allah is out of the picture. There's no Allah left. It's just you chilling. That's all there is. And then times get tough. And the friends aren't there. And the game doesn't feel good anymore. And the car doesn't look good anymore because the health is gone. 
When the health is gone, none of those things mean anything anymore. All you care about is, I just want to be out of this hospital bed. If I, if I could just walk again, that'd be fine. People are bringing you your favorite food, you don't want to eat it. People are want to show, show you a movie, you don't want to watch it. All these things that you lived for, everything that you went from A to B to C to D, all these things are gone. I don't care about none of them. Because this one blessing, Allah Azza wa Jal diminished for you a little bit. And then at that point, you have two options. If you are of these people that are on the cliff, on the edge, you can start complaining to Allah, why did He do this to me? I was having, He just didn't like that I was so happy? Or you could earn the greatest treasure you and I can ever earn. And that is a, a humility and a closeness to Allah. To actually realize even when I was healthy, even when I was wealthy, even when I was doing well, everything was fine. I didn't realize even then that I was on life support. Allah was actually providing for me every moment. I didn't earn anything on my own. None of it was something that I deserved. This is why Allah will say, أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ نَصِيبٌ مِمَّا كَسَبُوا أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ نَصِيبٌ مِمَّا كَسَبُوا Allah will describe even fadl. وَابْتَهُ فَضْلًا مِنَ اللَّهِ Not كَسَبًا مِنَ اللَّهِ you, you, you can't earn something. It's a favor from Allah, whatever He's given you. But you don't realize it at the time, because it just comes easy. But then you start begging Allah, and asking Allah, and crying to Allah, and praying to Allah like you've never prayed before, feeling closer to Him like you've never felt before. And then Allah heals you. And you realize those moments you had when nobody was in the hospital room, you were just by yourself, crying to Allah, were the sweetest moments of your entire life. Those were the few moments of your life that you actually had nothing between you and Allah. And those might be the moments that save you in the Akhirah. That might have been the biggest gift Allah ever gave you, is those moments. But for some people who are on the edge, when times get tough, فَإِنْ أَصَابَتْهُ فِتْنَةٌ إِنْ قَلَبَ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ turns on his face, he turns his face away. What does that mean? It means I want nothing to do with Allah. How come He abandoned me? How come He gave me a hard time? Why would He do that to me? You see what happens to, and this is actually very easy to understand in our times, we live in a, in a hyper-consumer society. So everything comes quickly. You want to be entertained, just open up an app on your phone. You want to buy something, just order it on Amazon, it'll show up at your door. Everything's become effortless. And everything's become instantaneous. You want something, it'll come to you. You don't have to go to it, it'll come to you. Everything's quick, 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 quick. We're used to getting served now. We're used to constantly getting served. And if one order of yours is two days late, three days late, you're gonna give it one star, thumbs down, bad rating. You're used to this now. And now you make dua to Allah. Or you, want, you expect Allah to take care of some of your problem, but you're so used to getting things done so quickly. And immediately. And when it doesn't happen, we're like, this is poor service. I need better customer service. You know, I'm not gonna go to Allah again and place an order. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're a customer now. You're entitled now. But he turns his face from Allah. You know, he didn't even listen to me. He didn't even solve my problem. Understand that Allah Azza wa has a plan for everybody. And just to give you a comparison, in the case of Yaqub salam, who lost his child, Allah returned his child to him after years. Many, many years. And in the case of Musa salam, his mother also lost her child. She put him in the water. And he returned that child after a few hours. Because by the time the child got hungry, the next feeding was from the same mother. Because he wouldn't drink from anybody else. What am I trying to get at? 
Sometimes in this world, sometimes Allah will answer that, that, that pain of yours, Allah will relieve it immediately. Sometimes He will relieve it after many, many years. But in all of it, there's good. In all of it, there's good. I, I love the story of Musa alayhi particularly, because the, the, the khair in it, think about the khair in it. All those years, this father cried, yes? This father almost lost his, his, his eyesight, and eventually, who Quran says, some of the ulama like Alusi rahimahullah comment, you know, Amiya, and he became blind from crying. But all this time, where was Yusuf? Yusuf was in a prison. Yusuf is being held in, you know, he was a, a, a child servant. When he got older enough, he got thrown into prison. He spent many of his years in jail, so either he served as a, as, as a servant, or he served as a prisoner inmate in jail. Not a good life. That's not a good life. And But at the end of it all, when he interprets a dream of the king, and that dream means that that entire economy is going to collapse in seven years, and people are going to die of starvation, the only one who knows how to handle that crisis was Yusuf. Had he not been in jail, he would have never helped the king. You understand this? If Yusuf was with his father the whole time, السلام, that never would have happened. But now that Yusuf is there to interpret the dream and says, Inni Hafizun, I mean, I'm the one who can take care of this responsibility. Make me the treasury secretary. Give me this responsibility. When he does that, and he takes care of it, what happens next? What happens next is thousands if not hundreds of thousands of parents don't have to cry that their children died of starvation. One father cried for several years. But his tears, Allah made them a way of saving thousands of families from crying. Because if he didn't save that economy, and he didn't save that crop, the entire land would have been in drought, and people would have died of starvation, and war would have happened, all kinds of crisis would have happened. Sometimes the difficulty you go through isn't just better for you, maybe through your difficulty, you will become a sadaqah jariya for so many others. You don't even know. You don't know. But if you're on the edge, you don't have that kind of trust in Allah. So you turn your back to Allah. Inqalaba ala wajhihi. And then Allah says, Khasira dunya wal akhirah, this is what I want to leave you with. When people do that, they have lost this world and the next. What does that mean? This person lost this world and the next. If you can hold on, look, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي Human beings were made in toil and labor and difficulty. Whether you believe in Allah or not, you will still have challenges in life, yes or no? Whether you believe in Allah or not, it's still gonna be tough to make a living. It's still gonna be tough to, to battle a, a sickness, you know? This life, it's not like for believers, they get luxury and disbelievers get difficulty. No, Allah made all human beings in, in struggle. That's what He said. If you could go through this struggle with Iman, then you will have the best of this life. And while you are making the best of this life, you'll be making the best of the next life too. You'll get a kind of peace nobody else enjoys. You're sick and the disbeliever is sick. But in your sickness, you still find peace and they find no peace. You're in financial trouble, they're in financial trouble. Exactly the same kind of trouble, exactly the same kind of hunger, but you are, you're still, your heart is still at ease. Allah is still giving you tranquility. Allah is still rewarding you. Allah is still protecting you. And they're miserable. You made this life worse for yourself too. And on top of that, you missed out on the next life. Qasira dunya wal akhirah. This is why we ask Allah, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana. The qualification of hasana means when you ask Allah for good things in this life, it means good on the outside and good on the inside. Good as in beautiful, tasty, enjoyable from the outside. And good for my next life. Actually good for me in the long run. Building my akhirah at the same time. This is Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana. 
And therefore, وَفِي akhirati hasana. And as a result, good in the next life. Something that's beautiful and good on the inside as well. So Allah says He lost this world and the next. ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْخُسْرَانُ الْمُبِينَ That is the ultimate loss. The, you know, the, the Qur'an uses three words for loss. Allah uses khusr. إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي khusr. He uses khasaran. And he uses khusran. And khusran is a masdar, sayyidatul mubalagha, the worst kind of loss. The worst imaginable loss. Of all the kinds of loss Allah talks about, the worst of all losses is this one. Somebody who was actually a believer and lost their faith when times got tough. And as a result, they lost this life and the next life, and they had it all. Allah had everything laid out for them. Everything was laid out for them. And so I leave you with the following. Allah Azza wa will describe الَّذِينَ يَرِثُونَ الْفِرْدَوْسِ About believers, He says they will inherit paradise. Strange word. Allah didn't say, in many places He says they will enter paradise. But in Surah Al-Mu'minun, He says they will inherit paradise. Now you know that inheritance is actually something that you know, is handed down to you because you already, your family owned it already. And that's actually how the Prophet ﷺ described it. Allah Azza wa literally, there's two explanations of it. Jannah was actually given to our father, Adam And so already we're qualified for it. Already. So we're, we're gonna get it in mirath. We're gonna inherit it. But another beautiful hadith that I read when I was studying the, the meaning of, of miratha and actually studying firdaus, Incredible statement of the Prophet ﷺ. He says, Allah made a house in Jannah in Firdaus. Firdaus is the highest Jannah. Allah made a house in Firdaus for every human being. Not just every believer, every human being. But some people just didn't want to go. So when believers get there, there's going to be a lot of empty homes. And so they're going to inherit those homes. May Allah make us of those who inherit homes in Jannah and not those whose homes remain empty. The, the, the house Allah has built for you and the house Allah has built for me is already there. The expectation from Allah for you to enter the highest place in Jannah is already there. Don't mess it up. Don't fall off the edge. Don't lose your faith in Allah. Just think of these tough times as just Allah wanting to see what price you're willing to pay for that house. May Allah help us through our difficulties and never allow us ever to lose our faith in Him. Barakallahu li wa lakum fi Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ali wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladhi nastafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatam al-Nabiyyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. يقول الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقن الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موفوتا